welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Uh, Two passages of scriptures tonight, Romans chapter 12, and then going to John chapter number 10. And um, as you're turning there, a few weeks ago, you may remember, at least I hope you will faintly remember, slightly remember, that I talked about knowing the will of God. How many remember that lesson? We talked about knowing the will of God. And I said there was another part to it, and I, and I kept my word. So we're going to get into that second part. Amen. Romans chapter 12, and we'll begin reading there. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service now now he's about to tell us this whole precedent of your body being holy and giving as a living sacrifice then he says because you don't want to be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that uh, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God now I've, I've heard this this um debated whether there is a will of God or if there is a good will of God, a acceptable will of God, and a perfect will of God. And I'm just going to leave that up to you. If It's not doctrinal. It's not going to cost you your salvation. Um, I do believe that, that there is a perfect will of God for every one of our lives. Amen. But I also believe that we can not derail the plan of God but I think sometimes we can reroute ourselves in the will of God. Amen. The devil don't do it to us. He's not powerful enough to take us out of the will of God. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's just go to John 10 um, so that um, I can just go ahead and prove that. And I want you to have to really teach on that. Let's just listen to what Jesus says about that. John chapter 10 and verse 25. And Jesus answered them, I told you. And ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Amen. So the works of Jesus bear witness that he's the Son of God, that he is God manifest in the flesh. Now, um, probably most of you don't like Southern Gospel or maybe never heard Southern Gospel. I grew up with it. I like it. But there was a very popular song, very famous song, sang by Greater Vision. And I really like the song, but it is so doctrinally incorrect. I can't believe that it became. I like the tune. They just needed to change the words a little bit. But, but they would sing the song and said, he'd, he'd still been God even if he never calmed the storms on the raging sea. He'd still been God even if he never caused the blinded eyes to see. He'd still been God even if he never brought a crippled man to his feet. It's not about what he did. It's all about who he was. Even if he never did another single miracle, my Jesus would have still. That's a lie. His miracles, he said, was to verify who he was. So if there were no miracles, no, he wouldn't have been God. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, if you don't believe me for my word's sake, believe me for my work's sake. Amen. And so, um, praise God. 
It was such a big song. I remember hearing it the first time. I go, oh, I love this song. We were in a quartet at the time, and I thought, man, this will be great. But as I started listening to it, I went, man, this is so doctrinally incorrect. How in the world did they even get this to a recording? Then you got to understand who writes the songs. They, they also believe there's three persons in the Godhead too. So, amen. And so he says in verse 25, they bear witness of me. Verse 26, but ye believe me not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Listen to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Look at somebody and say, no man can pluck you out of his hand. Amen. That word pluck means snatch. Then he says in verse 29, my father, which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hands. Now, hold on just a second, because this is where some might get confused. They say, okay, whose hand are we not getting plucked out of? The father's or Jesus' hand? Which hand? So, so whose hand do I need to be in? Now, if you believe in three persons, this is very confusing. If you believe there is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, and there are three individual persons, well, then now we've got a problem because we got the shell game going. Whose hand is we? And then people say, see that right there? It shows the Father's hands and the Son's hand. And you can't go down one more verse. Just one more. Look at verse 30. I and my Father are one. Jesus said, my father's hand is my hand, and my hand's my father's hand. Right. Right. Amen. And so there you go. But he says in verse 27, this is what I want to key in on, is my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so I want to uh, continue on and uh, talk about tonight on knowing the will of God. Knowing the will of God. I want to know the will of God. I, I want to try and remove this, this mysterious idea of what God. I mean, we seek, we fight with the will of God like we're trying to wrestle a T-bone out of a grizzly's mouth. Oh, the will of God. I got to get it. The Bible says it's easy to find. It's easy to know. And uh, I, look, I know this isn't going to be the most profound thing you've ever heard tonight. But I, I, I pray that it will help our understanding to be able to know the will of God in our life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your presence that has met us in this place in such a beautiful, powerful, and rich way. Lord, would you once again tonight open our understanding? Would you once again tonight, Lord, give us favor and revelation and insight, God, to your word? May it strengthen us, equip us, may it charge us and keep us, oh God, because we just want to walk in your will and in your favor. Open our eyes tonight to be able to see and our ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> um, a few weeks ago when we talked about this, we really keyed heavily on uh, Romans chapter 12. And we keyed in on the, the, the understanding that uh, to even be able to know or comprehend the will of God, um, it's, it's vital that we live a sacrifice 
a, a life sacrificed, bodily sacrificed, uh, living in holiness and uh, unto the Lord. That, and again, those aren't my words. Those, those are, that's what Paul said, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, because it didn't stop at holiness. Then it says acceptable. So that means I can live in a way that's holy that's still unacceptable. So we don't talk about that a lot because sometimes, and, and I've got to strike a balance because if I talk too much about you've got to have your inward man right, then there's, there's a group that would say, that's right, it's the inward man. Yeah, you've got a rotten spirit on the inside, so no matter how you are on the outside. But, but then yeah, I've got to go to the other side, but you've got to take care of the outside and live holy. And then another side will say, that's right, it's what matters what's on the outside. Now, it takes both in harmony. We used to sing the old song, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside, amen. And so <clears throat> there's that truth that understand that we, he says, holy, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, not W-H, holy, holy as in holy, that, that's part of it, but it's H-O-L-Y, holy, that, it, that means sanctified, that means set apart, so present your body set apart to who? To him, right? We, I'm, I don't want to go through all of that, but it's unto him acceptable because there is a way that you can get the outside right and the inside wrong, and then holiness is not acceptable to God, right? And so this is why the Bible says um, follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Because you can have peace and not holiness, and you're not going to see God. And you can have holiness and not peace, and you're not going to see the Lord. So it takes it working in conjunction together, and it's so important because <clears throat> it's, it's this body that has to live a living sacrifice. Um, a sacrifice, by definition, means dead. Right? So a sacrifice is is uh, something we say, well, no, I don't know about that. The Bible says a sacrifice of praise. That's exactly what that means because a sacrifice is something that was alive, but through the process of offering, it was made dead because they didn't take the lamb and sacrifice it, put it on the altar, and then it be resurrected and go home with them, right? And so the, the, the understanding is when you give God a sacrifice of praise, yes, it costs. Yes, it's something that's more uh, than what you'd put into, but it's also something that Romans 8 would say, wherefore, through the Spirit, you do mortify the deeds of the flesh because a sacrificial praise will always make your flesh uncomfortable. Amen. Now, I'm not uncomfortable to do this. I I'm really not uncomfortable to do that. <clears throat> I'm not really uncomfortable to do this, but... When we start doing the boogie-woogie, Holy Ghost shouting and dancing, my flesh don't like that because I can't, I know I can't dance. I, I know I can't get that rhythmic flow of dancing and, and all of a sudden be moving this way and moving that way and up and down and all of this stuff and it all will coordinate and look great. I understand that, right? Um, there, you know, I, I just, I ain't got that. And so it's uncomfortable when I... Um, I, I leap, and I, I, if I run, now that, that makes me uncomfortable for, 
For many, physically, I've got a lot of metal in me, so it's uncomfortable when I run and when I jump. I shouldn't do that, uh, but I want to give it to the Lord. And so when I'm doing that, I'm mortifying my flesh, that carnal nature in me that says, don't be doing this, don't be doing this. Oh, you're too dumb. You know what's funny is, is people, people will go out and drink on a Saturday night, and they will get liquid courage, and they'll get on the dance floor, and they got two left feet. And they think they're out there, you know, they, they think they're out there just doing all of this stuff and, and it all looks great. And what they don't understand is they got so much tequila in them, they can't quite measure it straight. And, and then they go home and see themselves on a Facebook live thing and, and they look like an octopus flopping around on the deck of a boat. And they weren't breakdancing, they were just breaking. Right? So, so they wouldn't have done that had they not had the courage in, in, through, the, through alcohol or you know, cocaine or whatever it was they used to inebriate themselves, to get themselves in that place to be able to do that. Now, all of that is an imitation of what we are supposed to do through the Spirit. For the Bible says in Ephesians, uh, to be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. In other words, what Paul was saying to the church at Ephesus was, is not that getting drunk is off the table. So that's what happens. We get saved and we get prudish. I would never, I shall never, I would never lose control like that. I would never. My, my getting drunk days are, and they should be with wine. That's what Paul said, be not drunk with wine because it's excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, he said, it's not an issue of not getting drunk. We still get drunk. It's just being filled with the Spirit. Like Acts chapter 2. Amen. We don't belly up to the bar at, uh, at, at the club or at the, the, the honky-tonk or whatever you, go, you used to go to. You don't belly up to the bar and, and you know, throw a dollar down or how much it costs and say, just keep them coming. <laughs> Tell how long it's been. I've been to one. <laughs> and say, well, keep her coming. And they just keep, no, now through the spirit, we belly up to Joel's bar. Joel chapter two. Amen. And in the last day saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Acts in Acts chapter two. Amen. When they got filled with the Holy Ghost, that sound, that echoes, that echo from heaven, and they began to speak with tongues. The Bible said they got drunk in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the Bible said that, that uh, people began to mock, saying these men are filled with new wine. And the Bible said that Peter standing up, you see, I, 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 I would hate to go to a church where people never experience just getting blasted out of their mind in the Holy Ghost, getting drunk. And, and then we act like getting drunk is like a, it's an accident. It's something that only happens like just, it's got to be this way. You can get drunk in the Holy Ghost whenever you want to. It's going to take a lot of Romans 12 <laughs> and Romans 8. And I'm not talking about this fake, Benny Hinn, garlic breath, halitosis blowing on people. <laughs> I'm talking about the real thing. 
that comes from heaven. Because the Bible said they were, they said these men are drunk on new wine. So that when the sinners saw it, they recognized the effects and thought it was alcohol. But the Bible said Peter standing up with the 11. Now, I've got a theory why that Luke wrote Peter standing up with the 11. And my theory is I think Peter was so drunk in the Holy Ghost he couldn't stand up by himself. You're, hey, look, your guess is good as mine. I like mine a little better, though. I think the other 11 picked him up and lifted him up. And I can just see old Peter's head just bobbing around like this. These men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's only the third hour there, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last day, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon my handmaids in that day will I pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. And so as Peter began to preach it, I mean, they, were, they had the effects of drunkenness. You see, everything hell has is an imitation of the original. Amen. Amen. Uh, God is Coca-Cola and the world is Sam's choice. Because it's the original. Amen. The church is Dr. Pepper. The world is Dr. Thunder. Amen. Praise God. You see what I'm saying? It, 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 the original is what God intended. But hell had to find a way to manipulate God's intent to where that people could experience that level of, of release in, 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 in the spirit. And because it takes living a life of sanctification to reach that level, the devil said, I'll give you a shortcut. You don't even have to pray. You don't have to go to church. You don't got to read your Bible. You can live how you want to live, be how you want to be. And you just partake of this elixir or this powder or whatever this is. And you can get that. But here's the problem. You may get it for a moment, but the after effects are damaging. You kill brain cells. You can OD. All of these things. Wake up somewhere you don't know where you are with somebody you don't know who they are. With something you can't ever get rid of. But not in the Holy Ghost. That don't happen around here. People get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Believe me, we ain't letting you get in somebody else's car and go home with somebody you don't know. Because God's Spirit ain't going to let you do that. And I'm seeing people so blitzed out of their mind in the Holy Ghost that we've had to carry them, to carry them and put them in vehicles and drive them home. Amen. And a few weeks ago in Hollister, it happened. People are just, uh, Bishop Hurst got just totally blitzed out of his mind, drunk on the platform. He's just laying there like this on his chair, just, just jabbering in tongues and drunk in the Holy This stuff happens. It happens. And we need it to happen with regularity. And, or, or should I say intention, so that when our kids are pressured into partaking of that, they can say, oh, you got to drink that nasty stuff to get that? Oh, man, come to my church on Sunday. Repent of your sins, baptize in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. You can get that. Amen. And he's going to leave you with a hangover. Amen. We got a high you can't buy. We got the high from on high. Amen. You don't got to snort it. All you got to do is receive it. It's for whosoever will, let him come. 
Amen. And, and so, uh, getting a little sidetracked here, but, but everything hell has is an imitation of the original. But to get the original, you must live a life of, of, of sanctification separate from the world. Now, the benefit, not the point, not the purpose, but the benefit or the residual effect of that, uh, the perk, whatever you want to call it, is if I will live holy unto the Lord and acceptable, these are, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You've you got you to remember there's benefits in serving God, and I promise you it's a lot better than you're getting on your job, no matter how gravy that train is. The benefits of living for God are a whole lot better than anything else you're ever going to get. Because you'll get things, well, I get medical insurance on my, on my job. Great. So you pay a copay, you have to take a bunch of medicine. Guess what? I, I get healing. Well, my, my, my job gives me a death benefit. Well, my God gives me an everlasting life benefit. <laughs> Sorry, that's pretty good. You know, I'm going to go with that one, right? And, and so David said, don't forget us, but there's benefits in serving God, so don't forget them. Bless the Lord, I'm a soul. Forget not all his benefits. So, matter of fact, go home tonight. Next time you have a bad day, sit down, get a pen and a piece of paper, and just start writing down benefits. The old song we used to sing is count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. By the time you get down, all, all, next, next thing you know, you'll be dancing all over the kitchen. His benefits, his benefits, say, his benefits far outweigh my sacrifice. Amen. And then, and then Paul would say, because that's reasonable. And this thing, well, I, 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 I wish that sometimes that, that Paul could just walk into service. We just sit down with him and say, Paul, I'm just struggling. What are you struggling? I'm just, I'm just struggling. I have a hard time. I have a hard time, you know, living in sanctification separation and he's going to look at you and go but that's what you're supposed to do at a minimum that's what he wrote amen so don't hate the mailman amen I didn't write it I'm just delivering it amen don't don't shoot the mailman when he brings the Macy's bill or the credit card bill amen he's just delivering what was already coming amen so so that, that's an understanding. To understand, to know the will of God, we, we, we need to live in a place. And, and listen, you can live, you can walk right, talk right, spit white, and everything be perfect, and you're still going to have sometimes struggling to know the will of God. But there is a way to know the will of God. Amen. So uh, it starts on that foundational level. Everybody say the foundational level starts with me living holy. And acceptable. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you got to be acceptable. But Jesus accepts me just as I am. At salvation. But after that, he says, okay, now come up a little bit higher. Amen. That's like getting accepted into some prestigious university. You know, you get accepted into some, I don't know how prestigious they are anymore, but, you know, getting accepted to like, you know, Harvard was always the gold standard, Columbia or Princeton or something like that. You get accepted and you get in there and then you don't show up to class. And, you know, when you do show up, you're the class clown or what. And they come to you at the end of the semester and say, we're dropping you. Well, why are you dropping me? Because you're not maintaining. Well, you accepted me. Acceptance gets me in. 
but I've got to maintain the Now, he's always going to love me, but I've got to maintain the acceptance. I've got to do my homework. And you're talking about somebody who hates homework, but I still got to do my homework. Amen. I was telling somebody the other day, <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like the Library of Congress is being delivered to my house every day. Getting the accreditation. I thought, well, you know, earn that degree and everything's gravy and we're just going to uh-uh. No, right out the syllabus, and they get the, the uh, National Board of Education in the Philippines has to approve the syllabus, and I think one of them in there is a demon. Because they're always rejecting something. You need, to, you need to cite your sources better. You need to cite your sources better. I did everything but jump in a time machine and take a selfie with them. <laughs> I got to rewrite the whole thing. And so I'm reading tons of books. There. You just reread. And thought, you know, you got that, and that's it, and I'll just teach, and but it's not it, because we're establishing, you know, the apostolic doctrine, and there's a lot of reading, and, and, and all of that. It doesn't stop when you get the paper. There's a, there's a continuing of education that goes on. I mean, you, you, you're not going to go to a doctor that graduated in 75 and hadn't cracked a book since then. Right? You're, you're going to want to know that they know there's, there's some new pharmaceuticals that could help rather than an than a open-heart surgery, right? And so, right, uh, you know, they got these uh, stent things now that go in that, you know, saves a lot of people from getting, you know, quadruple bypasses and stuff. But you go to a doctor that graduated uh, from, you know, uh, top of his class at, at Berkeley, and all of a sudden he ain't cracked the book since he walked out of the classroom and you go in with some chest pain, next thing you know, he's going to grab, put you under and grab a skill saw and just down your chest when he could have just put in a little $2 little deal in your heart and saved you a lot of pain and trouble and probably helped you live a little bit longer. So living for God is a lot in the same way. Yes, he accepts us. He absolutely accepts us. Brother Chase, we've got to maintain our end of the bargain on this. And that is he gave his life for us to to redeem us from our sins. Now, we, we live our life for him. He died for us so we can live for him. Pretty good exchange. And so, now we go to uh, John chapter 10. <clears throat> In John chapter 10, Jesus is now saying, and we're talking about knowing the will of God. You know, I could have as easily said knowing the voice of God. Because to know the will of God is to know the voice of God. And to know the voice of God is to know the will of God. And, and let me say, yes, God speaks to people. I, I think I preached on this Sunday that he's a speaking God. Amen. And if he's a speaking God, we need to be a listening people. Amen. You know, uh, old times used to tell us, that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen more than you talk, right? We go to prayer, we talk more than we listen. And you got to talk to prayer. I get it. But prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. I'm going to talk to him. And at some now public prayer is a little different because, you know, we're here on Thursday nights. We're having prayer, whatever. I'm talking about in your prayer time. There needs to be a time in your prayer. And, and pardon, from, pardon me for my crashness. But at some point, you got to shut up and listen because he will talk. So I've never heard his voice. Amen. Because this is what you're going to bounce everything you hear from God off of. I bounce everything. 
off the word of God. Amen. Now, Jesus said in verse 27 of John 10, he said, my sheep hear my voice. Hear my voice. Everybody say, his sheep hear his voice. Now, to hear his voice, you got to know his voice. Amen. I, I know the voice of God. He said, they hear my voice. Now, this is important. He didn't then just say, they hear my voice and they won't hear any other voice. It's not what he said. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. That's pretty important. He said, I know them and they follow me. Amen. It'd be a whole lot easier serving God, Brother Vinny, if God would just put a dog collar on me and a leash and just drag me everywhere. It'd be a whole, wouldn't it be a lot easier? You know, you go to temptation and God just yanked that leash and just, just drag you down. We're not going to do that. You know? Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if God would do that? Just haul off and just kick you sometimes. But he don't do that. Because he's a shepherd, not a cowboy. Shepherds leave, cowboys drive. Shepherds lead from the front. Cowboys get from behind and they whip and they shoot and they fear monger and they scare. Now I'm trading my boots in now. I'm just saying when it comes to God. Amen. It, it, the Bible says for as many as are in Romans, I believe 814, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So that lets me, that lets me know it, to be in the family of God, you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. I, I pose the question oftentimes, especially uh, in a minister's class, I'll say, is, is it possible, is it possible to uh, be a son of God, a child of God, and not follow God? Well, no, it's impossible. You've got to be led by the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And so he says, my sheep hear my voice. Now, this is so important because there are a lot of voices that sound godish. And you, you say you've never been confused. And that's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm great for you. I'm not knocking you, but for the rest of us. Matter of fact, Jesus even turned to his inner circle and said, there's going to come a day they're going to say, he is here. Don't go. He's in the mountains. Don't go. Another Christ has come. Don't. Why would he tell the very ones that had been with him for over three years? When they say he's there, don't go. Because even Jesus knew imposters are everywhere. And I'm going to tell you something. The devil has had a whole lot longer time to be the devil than you have had to be saved. And he has learned to imitate God. He's learned to imitate his voice. You ever, uh, you ever seen an impersonator before? Don't. And some of y'all even paid to go see an Elvis impersonation. But they're not quite Elvis, you know. They can have the pork chops, sideburns, you know. They can, they can do the stanky leg really good. They can have the collar flipped up. They can even do that baritone, and they can sing hunk a hunk of burning love. Just, but you know something's off. It's not quite, it's not quite Elvis, right? I mean, because Elvis, I mean, if you believe it, he's dead. I've heard he's in Antarctica living under a mountain somewhere. But I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's not him. 
But people will pay for the nostalgia because it sounds I, I've heard people say, oh, he, he sounds just like him, whoever they're imitating. And man, they sound, you know, these comedians come out and they learn how to impersonate, you know, the president. You know, it's hilarious. I think it's funny. But they don't sound just like them. They sound pretty close. Jesus said, my sheep, they hear my voice. And they follow me because I know them. And they know me. We've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that we know his voice and we know the personality of God. So important. That way when you hear a voice say do something, you can say, yeah, that's not in the character of my God. My shepherd don't talk like that. Does that make sense? Because the, now, here's what we do. We get so caught up in the, um, I was talking about this last night. You know, anybody that can call out somebody's address, we just call them a prophet. Now, I'm talking about us holiness, Holy Ghost filled people. We get suckered into it too. They're a prophet. They told me things I didn't know before. Okay. Well, does it match with the word of God? Amen. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Amen. You got to bounce, you got to take everything through the word of God and measure it up. You need to take what I'm teaching tonight, go home and measure it to the word of God. Amen. And, and it, it, we, here's one thing is we get, we get, I think we get more enthralled with the spectacular than we do the supernatural. And because something is emotionally driven, we'll say that's supernatural, but it's not. It's actually, it's actually just the spectacular. And we get more people frilled of the Spirit than filled with the Spirit. It's, it's like going down the midway at a circus. It, it tickles all the right places. It feels fuzzy and warm. But I'm going to tell you something. That basketball goal's rigged, and you're not going to make it if you're Michael Jordan. Amen. But somebody won the big teddy bear. Yeah, one out of 100. That, that's about what the ratio is. And listen, I don't care if they can walk into a mortuary and raise up every person out of a casket. It, if what they're saying and doing goes against the word of God, they're not of God. The Bible talks about familiar spirits and spirits of uh, divination. I've had, I've had somebody come and prophesy to me before, come and give me a word, and the thing they were giving me a word over, uh, saying that one thing is that you've been hurt in ministry. Well, I mean, come on. Anybody that's ever been in ministry five minutes has been hurt. And this well-known prophet, you've been hurt in ministry, and, and, and I'm just sitting here. Well, first thing is raise your hands. What am I? Now, I'll get, I'll, look, I think you need to raise your hands when, you know, for worship and prayer. And, you know, I'm not going to be obtuse but you know, the guy come up in the wrong spirit and I, I wasn't having any of his stuff anyway and I was feeling after this and I, you've been hurt in ministry I'm going wow Captain Obvious on the USS duh <laughs> and then it's like starts calling up particular situations and, 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 and begin to with, with great clarity talk about a situation where I'd been hurt and in conflict with ministry <coughs> and 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 it actually began to pull my emotion, but all of a sudden it dawned on me, wait a second. 
this ain't right. And as he kept going, he got down. I kind of stopped and said, hold on a second. Now, you're going somewhere God's not even going. Because that situation has been reconciled and put under the blood. Now, you're talking about something that this has been fixed years ago. And you're pulling that out from under. And you're talking about, that tells me you, I don't care. You can talk in tongues till you get a Chinese accent, but you're not of God. You're operating in a spirit of divination and a familiar spirit. Because God won't even reach under his own blood and pull things out that's been put under there. And you've you got to have enough Holy Ghost boldness to, to say, now this ain't of God. Now, now John said, uh, believe not every spirit. Say, but pastor, they're spirit filled. You're right. You just need to make sure they're filled with God's spirit. Because everybody's spirit filled. Just not the spirit of God. Amen. Praise God. Well, God used them one time. Well, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. Even the dead tree will give you shade every once in a while. Amen. You, we're so gullible sometimes. I said, we get gullible sometimes. We wait for, instead of us, uh, uh, and, I, and I'm not indicting this group, I'm talking about us as a movement. Instead of us falling in love with the simple simplicities of salvation, I know people will, will drive 10 hours to hear a preacher take one word out of Scripture and flip it around 25 different times and make it say something in the Greek and Hebrew that it might say, and just because it sounds good, they'll, I mean, they'll drive hours to hear that. That ain't going to save you. Acts 2.38, John 1.1, 1, 1, Colossians 2, the whole Bible, but we, 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 we want to be moved emotionally. Amen. Praise God. Well, I know this ain't popular, so I'll move on. But you better be able to test it. You better try that. And if anybody gets, here, here's another. If somebody is offended by your testing of their spirit, they're not of God. Give you a word. Do you receive that word? I don't know. I need to pray about it. What, you need to pray about it. I don't, I don't care if you go jogging on water in the morning. I'm going to go verify it in the word of God. This, this, is everything. Because I'm going to tell you, there's been times I've been in prayer and thought God spoke to me. I hope I don't disappoint you, but it'll happen. You'll think, I'm hearing from God. And, and it's not that. It's just like there's some crazy thing. Like the, I'm in prayer and the Lord says, go get, go get your gun and, and go to Walmart and target practice. Now, I'm not talking about something crazy like that. Because the devil won't do that. That's not how the devil operates. Because if you would believe that, you're already his. The devil don't operate like that. The devil's not trying to get you to be an alcoholic. He's got plenty of them out there. He's not trying to get you to be a crackhead tomorrow. He's got plenty of them out there. He's not trying to make you a prostitute by the time the sun comes up. He's got plenty of them out there. What he wants to do is deceive you. He wants to deceive you. And, 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 and if you are a prayerful, Holy Ghost-filled person, he cannot deceive you with outlandish lies. Look at what he did to Jesus. He quoted scripture to Jesus. 
but he just, just a little off of its intention, right? Just, just, just a little, just a little off. And, and that's what the enemy will do. I'll get up from prayer, and I know God spoke to me, and I will still go to the Word and try to verify. Now, listen, if you go to Burger King tonight, and you stand there in front of the menu, and you're like, Lord Jesus, help me tonight. I want to know the will of God. Is, do, do I need a Whopper or chicken fries? Now, he might talk to you. If he does, you're pretty cool. I don't know. I just, I really think God could care less if I get a Whopper or chicken fries. Right? But if he says get a Whopper, I would still verify it in the Word of God. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Because if he told me to get it with everything on it, I knew it was from the devil. <laughs> I just want bacon and cheese and leave me alone. Amen. So, <clears throat> so you've, got, you've got to be able to, to, to know the voice of God. That's why, that's why the apostle, I believe it was John, said, little children, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. See if it be of God. See if it be of God. You, you've got to be able to discern you know, and this is why so many of our people are falling away right now with all kinds of crazy false doctrines. And it's not like they're just extremely wild, like, you know, go jump off a building and say hallelujah. None of that. It's just enough because it, it sounds good. And, and, and we start with the wrong foundation. We start because we've let the world teach us rather than us teach the world. We're too afraid to oppose when somebody says, well, God is love. Yes, he is. And so they'll use that to then cram down your throat every perverted agenda they have right behind it. Well, if God is love, then why can't two women get married? If God is love, then why can't, you know, uh, 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 your child, I, I teach your child to change their gender at seven years of age. But if God is love, No, no, you understand that. But a lot of people in the church don't. They'll say, that's right, God is love. And I wouldn't want to offend anybody. Hey, he's an offending kind of God. Now, we're not supposed to be offensive kind of people, but he's, look, his word is his word. And we don't go around using his word as a sledgehammer. But I'm going to tell you something. We cannot let the world set the terms of who God is. Now, now, the New Testament writer says God is love, and that's the only time you're going to find it in the Bible. It makes it true. But you're going to find about 600 other times where God first says, I am holy. I am just. I am righteous. But that ain't fair. Nothing in the Bible God says he's fair. Amen. Praise God. Maybe we should have qualified this tonight. Bring your big boy britches to church tonight. Because he's not a fair God. He's not. He's, he's just or equitable. Not fair. He's not going to do for you what he did for them without you doing what they did to be right with him. Right? Amen. Well, praise God. We let, we let the world define too much who God is. We're the church. His word already defines who he is. It's amazing. I, I can say that, that the Bible is still clear on what marriage is, and the Bible is clear on what gender is too. And how many 
Holy Ghost filled people just start ruffling their feathers. Like, don't say that, Pastor. It's going to offend somebody. I didn't say it. The Word said it. And if it offends you, I promise you, you don't got God's spirit. You got a spirit, but you ain't got God's spirit. But we don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. That's not my point. That's not my point. That's not the point. But we can't let down on absolutes in the hopes that we might not offend. Amen. We don't use truth as a crowbar either. There's a balance there. Amen. But Jesus said, they know who I am. They know my voice. They follow me. Right? So we got to try that. See if it's of God. Try that spirit and see if it's of God. If you're in prayer tonight here before we end and, and, and you hear the voice of what appears to be the Lord to say, go home with somebody else's spouse. That's not God. Very obviously not God. That's you. And you need to get your lust under control. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You, you pray tonight at the altar and there's a voice and you hear what you think God say, uh, you know, run through the next people that are walking through a crosswalk. That's not God. But, but that's not how the devil's going to speak to you. He's going to twist it just enough. Just enough. Because it could be the people walking through the crosswalker waving a very colorful flag. And you may not run them over, but in your mind you may think they don't even deserve to live. And feel justified by saying that. Might as well have done it. Jesus said hate's the same as murder. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all still love me? I'm almost done. Don't worry. You, you, you got to find where the word of God, what God is saying to us through his word. Through his word. I can't hate them. I can hate what they represent. I don't have to hate them. I don't have to hate them at all. I can love their soul and pray God and not accept who they who they have become and who they. This is what, I'm going to tell you. We got to get control of this in 2023. And the fact that we haven't, I do not blame the world for all this perversion we're seeing in the school. It is not the world's fault. Not the world's fault. You know, I I can't hardly get on social media sometimes because all the junk that's out there and, and i'm talking about just news and people are just saying you need to be aware of this what, what do i need to be aware of it click on it read it oh my lord they're letting drag queens strip in front of first graders that's not the world's fault the church should have stood up a long time ago but you know what the church let the world dictate the terms well, God is love. You've got to accept it or you're not love. You're not a real Christian if you don't accept. And so we just cowed down and said, oh. Well, praise the Lord. He's an on time God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Sinner's going to sin. Saints need to be righteous. Amen.
Praise God. Look at somebody and tell them, pastor's nervous. <laughs> I'm waiting for them to storm in right now <laughs> with, with the Skittle Brigade coming in and <laughs> lock me up. Amen. But we, we, we've got to take a stand for truth. We can do it for love. We can do it in love. And I'm going to tell you something. These are conversations we need to have with our kids. When, when my daughter sees a grown man dressed like a woman with a five o'clock shadow, I tell her, that's disgusting. You're teaching them to hate. No, I'm not. I'm teaching them that's not right. Wait, what's the next thing you're going to do? See a man beating a woman and going, but it's love. It's God. It's love. No, you've got to point out truth to see what truth is. Praise God. Now, he will just twist it just enough. Uh, back in the 19, I believe it was in the 1980s, early 1980s, a flight left. I believe it was Melbourne, Australia. And it was a big passenger jet. It was filled with a bunch of wealthy Australians. And they were flying to Antarctica. And I cannot remember what the name of that vast mountain is there in Antarctica. It's huge. And uh, they were taking this, they had chartered this jet, and they were flying it over the uh, uh, continent of Antarctica to, to around this mountain, see it, and then fly back to Melbourne. A bunch of wealthy people. And <clears throat> this was back before they had onboard computers that were autopiloting. You know, they had basic rudimentary computers back then. You know what's amazing? is there, There's over 100,000 times more computing power on your phone than the first spaceship that landed on the moon. Isn't that crazy? You know, your car is vastly more technologically advanced than the first spaceship that landed on the moon. I mean, if you believe it went there. Or the car that took them to the Hollywood studio, whatever you believe, okay? So, <laughs> so... They sat down, they did, back then, the, the, the pilots, see, pilots have to be good at math and on the fly. Everything is a calculation, and, which is why I'm not a pilot, among many other reasons, right? And so they, they took the map, and they had to charter out, they had to chart out this path, their flight plan, and the first officer was given charge of this, and they were looking over maps, and they did not take and verify their flight path against more up-to-date charted maps. They had used one that was about 20 years old and just left. But the problem was is that a great tragedy happened because there was great storms over uh, Antarctica, a lot of clouds, and when they broke out of the cloud cover, just within seconds, they flew straight into the side of that mountain and killed everybody on board. When they got the black box, the recorder, and the flight recorder, and they put all of these things together, all the pilot's notes that had been left at the airport, their flight plan that they had given to uh, the control tower and they put it together and they found it because they used the wrong map that their calculations was off by a mere 0.2 degrees. Now, 0.2 degrees is not much. It's not. But the further you go away from the point you started, the further off you veer and they had veered off hundreds of miles and flew directly into the mountain that they had just intended to, to pass at a distance. They flew into it and killed them. 0.2 degrees, you, you could barely even notice 0.2 degrees off of an inch. But if I took a straight line and ran it through the back and then one 0.2 degrees off, by the time it got to that back wall, it would be off almost three inches. It doesn't seem like much in the beginning. That's the way Satan works. 
He wants to take the word of God and turn it just a little bit to where you don't notice it until you get further in your journey with God. And the further you go in your journey, believing where the starting point was that twisted part, just twisted enough, you will be off the path. That's why you got to stay with the original map, not somebody else's. You got to get in the word of God for yourself and know his voice to know the will of God. Everybody say to know the will of God. I've got to know the will of God. Amen. And so I'm, I'm going to start bringing this to a close. Uh, Brother Garza, what time did I start? <laughs> okay, perfect. We're almost done. So I, I want you to know, you, you, you've, got to hear the, you've got to know the voice of God. There are going to be voices that are going to sound like God, and you've got to take it to the Word. And you need to know the will of God for yourself. Now, it's okay when you're praying for things, especially you know, major life decisions to, to, to come to me and say, Pastor, will you pray with me? I'm seeking the will of God for this issue. But just please know that it's going to be very rare that I'm going to come and I'm going to say, yeah, this is absolutely yes or absolutely. I'm not going to do that on every situation. And I've told you the reasons why. Because Pastor pray that should I take this job? And, and if I pray and, and I feel it's right and I say, yeah, take it. And all of a sudden all hell breaks loose on that job. Guess whose fault it is? Or if you don't take the job and the job, you, you know, that company goes out of business, you know, that you stayed with. You need to be able to discern the will of God for yourself. That, that's, that's the mark of a mature Christian is they know the voice of God. And then, and then it's a good thing then to go to someone else you trust their prayer life and their connection with God's voice. And then say, will you pray with me? I just, I just want some affirmation on this. Or if you're truly unable to, because there's been times in my life I had a hard time discerning the will of God in a big situation. And I, I went to my pastors and I said, I, I need you to help me with this. And, and then they would guide me along. But not, not every time. I don't, I don't believe in all, you know, God going to speak to you and, and you know, tongues interpretation. He's going to tell you, you know, who to marry and where to live and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. It don't work like that. It don't work like that. I mean, you know, I've had people, is it the will of God I marry this person? You're not getting that answer from me. Because mm there's going to be arguments. And there's going to be fights. Amen. And so you, because what will happen is if I say, yeah, what I'll say is I feel good about it or I don't feel good. But matter of fact, don't come to me if they're not saved and say, will you pray with me? You know, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right then. Nope. Pastor, I, I, is this right for me to marry this guy? And, you know, then he beat the last six wives he had near death. Should I, should I marry her, you know? You know? Well, where, where's the situation? Well, you know, she's had some problems. Well, what kind of problems? Like men problems. Okay, what kind of men problems? Um, every time she gets mad, she finds a new one. Don't need to pray about this one. <laughs> I'm going to pray about the price of tea in China before I pray over that one. Don't do it. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I take some uh, great, uh, put great weight on something that, that um, Bishop Price taught us. Uh, and that is, you shouldn't get married until you have a big fight. He told us that and I thought, I, it was like, I'm thinking, I'm going to get this. This is Elder Paul Price. I'm going to get some wisdom. <laughs> we need to fast for three weeks and 
sip only strained chicken broth or something like that. Pray with one leg in the air while rubbing ashes in your fingertips. I mean, what are we going to do? And his, he is like, no, I won't marry you till you have a big fight. I said, well, wait a second. If we really love each other, we won't fight. Well, then you don't know what love is. I'm going to tell you right now. Amen. <laughs> he did. That's what he told us. And we did. We walked out of that room and she punched me right in the eye. Kicked me in the shin, told me my mom couldn't cook, all of that stuff. Right, Walked right out of the room and said all of that. I'm just kidding. It wasn't my shin, it was my ankle. Now, oh, you know, he had a point, and, 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 I, and I thought this was great. I, I, I do this too. Um, if, if we've marriages, one of the things we say, you need to have, you need to have a strong disagreement. You need to have a, because you don't know who somebody is until they're mad. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm telling the truth right now. I know this is going over like a flock of dogs right now, but it's the truth. That, who they really are is when they get mad. You don't want to find out his way of dealing with anger is like that six weeks after you've been on your honeymoon. That's a wrong time to find out that's how he deals with anger. And you don't want to find out the way she deals with anger is crawling in the neighbor's bed. You want to know, these are things you need to know before you get married. Right? Because right? right. who, who they are in the heat of the moment, that's, that's who they are. I didn't mean to do that. Yes, you did. That's who you are. That's why we got to keep that on the altar and crucified. Right? Amen. And, and, and so some of these things are you know, very obvious, right? Sometimes they're not. But, but it's important. It's important to know. Some of you are like, man, I wish I'd have known. Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> but you were in love. You were just so in love. You were just so in love. We could, could, but we love. We're going to live on love. <laughs> He's a bum. You ain't going to live on love. PG&E don't cash love. <laughs> Come on, be honest with me. How many of you wish you'd have found this out a year before you got married? You'd have heard those words. <laughs> Problem is, you were so in love, you wouldn't have heard it anyway. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell people, I, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. But I will tell people, like, I ain't going to marry you. you. You guys can't afford to be married. But we love each other. Well, good. <laughs> Get a, Get a better job. Work hard. I don't know. I know California's expensive. But they'll work together. Do, do something. It's kind of one of the rules. You've got to be able to afford to live. Right. I mean, we, we've, it's the way we've always done it, folks. That we, uh, with Brother Michael and Sister Phoenix, he comes to me, and he's all Twitter-pated, you know, like Thumper. <laughs> and his little foot and just doing this here. And every time he saw Sister Phoenix, I thought his heart was just going to leap out of his chest and all goo-goo-eyed. You talk about the definition of being loved. He was smitten like a velvet kitten. I mean, he was smitten. And he still is. And that's a great thing. I think that's a wonderful thing. And he comes and he's like, Pastor, I love Sister Phoenix. And I said, well, I can tell you. didn't have to tell me that. I knew this. I got the gift of suspicion. I knew that was happening. And this was coming. 
and y'all are going to get married. And, say, and, and what I say, I say, okay, here's what we need to do. Before you get married, y'all got to be able to afford a place to live. And you know what? <laughs> a month later, they got, he had a place to live. <laughs> and he was a provider. And, and it's important, right? You need to be able to do this. And, and then, you know, set up guidelines. These things are important. Amen. You've got to know the will. You've got to know the voice of God to know the will of God. And you've got to take that to the word. And you you got to believe. Because hearing and knowing that voice is so very important to know that voice. I'm, I'm not going to get us uh, uh, much further than that. Uh, and, and I apologize if it's a letdown. And, and uh, I didn't have some kind of fairy dust to give you to where you could just know the will of God and just sprinkle it out there with a little wand and you know the, don't work like that. The way to know the will of God is know the voice of God. The way to know the voice of God is know the word and pray. It's just that simple. I, I, I you know, see these books, 12 ways to know the voice of God. You know, things like There's two ways. Pray, read the Bible. What for? You can read your Bible and pray. <laughs> see what I did there? Kind of just flipped it around. It's about it. Just, and, and, and God will speak to you through his word. God does not want you to wreck your life as much as you want to wreck your life. And we've got to get rid of this image of God that we just think God's just, just going to let us walk blindfolded off of the edge of a cliff and sit back and laugh about it. That's not, he wants you to know his will. He's not trying to hide his will. Now, next week or, or, or the week after, whatever, I'm going to get back into this, and we're going to go in, in, into Ephesians and Colossians too. And we're going to talk about how he gives us the power through knowledge and wisdom to understand the mystery of his will. Because his will is mysterious if you don't know him and his voice. It's very mysterious. But when you know his voice, you can hear him in a room full of strangers. You can, you can, you can hear that still, small voice speak to you. And it will pull you. Amen. And you'll know that's what God is wanting for your life, brother. Gars, if you'll come, you'll, you'll, you'll know that's the voice of God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this story. Last year, about this time last year, we were in Colorado, and we went on, 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 a, on a family ski trip. And <clears throat> we were up at Copper Mountain, and uh, like a couple hours outside of Denver or whatever. I, I, is it called Copper Mountain? Is that, that's the name of the mountain, right? And so we go, and, you know, that's where we went because you know, we couldn't afford to go to Vail. You know, we're not, <laughs> we're not the Vail and Aspen kind of people. You know, we're the... Walmart budget skiing, you know, we're at Copper, it's nice. And so Addie and I have been skiing for like three days or so. And, and so I finally, I finally talked my wife in uh, to go and skiing. And that, that's not her thing, but, you know, I laid on the pressure kind of thick, you know. I didn't, you know, I didn't like manipulate her. It was just, you know, kind of subtle. Like, if you really love us, you'll go skiing type thing. It was really <laughs> subtle. And uh, <laughs> nothing says you hate your daughter like not skiing. No, I'm just kidding. But, and we, we go skiing. Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, a, I don't know if the term is prepper, but I, I you know, there, there are certain things. You know, I'm not the most prepared in some areas. In some areas, I probably over-prepare. When I go skiing, I ski with a backpack. And in that backpack, I, I've got like protein bars and, you know, those little tubes of peanut butter. And I've got, you know, um, crackers and Mike and Ike's, <laughs> all those really important things, Skittles for Addie and you know, all these important things. But, but in that, I, I always carry a lot of water or water. I carry um, uh, waterproof uh, fire starters. 
carry 200 feet of rope, carry grappling hooks. I carry a first aid kit. I carry a tourniquet. I have two tourniquets in my truck right now. First aid kit, bottles of water, all that stuff. Because I live by a philosophy, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And so, um, said all that to say, we were so prepared to go up that, that mountain. And we get, I took her goggles. Man, I was excited. You know, she's going to ski with us. And I put that, you know, that anti-fog stuff on the inside of your goggles. If you've ever been skiing, you know what I'm talking about. Because your goggles will fog up. And I even took her glasses and I put the, huh? Yeah, and they had to fit over her helmet and her hair. And, you know, it didn't fit around her. The glory was so strong, it couldn't even. And so, got it all. And, and we're, we're on the, and at Copper, they got this cool lift, sis. That you get on it, and it's like a really fast one, but you pull this glass thing, like plexiglass over you, and it's got heaters on the inside. It's really cool. And so we're going up that, and we're going all the way to the top because, look, I'm not the guy on vacation that, you know, we're going to sleep till noon, and then we're going to go out. Bless God, if I'm paying for it, we're going to get every minute out of it. We're going to be the first one on the lift, and we're going to be the last one off the mountain. That's just, that's just the way I roll. Don't go on vacation with me if you don't like that. That's the way it is. You weren't invited anyway. Amen. So we're going to go skiing. It's like the other day, last week, we're out. You know, we, I took Addie up skiing for a few days. And, and, and she, I'm waking her up at, you know, at like 8. I'm like, come on, you need to get me breakfast. We got to get, you know, the lifts open, open in an hour. We got to go. And she I'm so tired. You're 11. I'm 42. I don't want to hear it. I already, uh, is this not a conversation that happens every morning? I, uh, doesn't this happen every morning? I don't want to hear it. I got more metal in me than the car, the plane we flew in here on. I don't get up. We're going to eat. I done paid for them tickets. We're going to get every penny out of them tickets, and we're going to get on that. And she's out there half asleep just trudging through the snow with her. <laughs> half of the day, Daddy, I'm tired. Can we just, can we just wait another night? No, huh? And I, you know, and I hear my dad coming out of me like we were on vacations as a kid. My dad turned me and my brother fighting. He boys. We're going to have a good time whether you like it or not. And that's what I'm telling her. We're going to have fun whether you enjoy it or not. Get up. We're going to go ski. So we get her up top of the mountain. And, you know, she had skied some when she was younger. When she, when she, like a teenager was the last time she had skied or maybe even younger. So we get to the top of the mountain. I mean, we didn't go halfway up. No, no, no. That ticket gets you to the top of the mountain. We're not going to bunny slopes. We're not going halfway up. No, no. When we left, it was 18 degrees. We're going all the way to the top where it's like four degrees. We're, it's, we're way up. We All the way up. We're up at like 15,000 feet elevation. I mean, the air is thinner up there. You're sucking wind just getting down to where you can go down the mountain. And, and, and so she get, we get up there and she's like, babe, I can't see. That's, well, I put the fog in. I look at her and I mean, it, it's. Like, I can't see eyeballs or anything. It's completely fogged up. So she takes her glasses off. She didn't bring her, her contacts, so she takes her glasses off. Well, it didn't fog up anymore, but there's a problem. Might as well have been foggy. Now, I'm not saying she's blind. I'm not saying she's blind. But if I were 10 feet away, she wouldn't know I exist. So. Amen. Now, now we've got a problem because now we're at the top of the mountain. I didn't take her to the bunny run and say, let's do a few bunny runs, see how everything works. No, it's greens and blues the whole way down. We're going to be fine. 
But she can't see. And when I say she can't see, she can't see from me to you. Now, here's another problem. When you've got depth perception, perception issues on snow, and she's up there going, I can't see anything. I said, okay, well, we're, we're going to have to call a literal audible here. Now, you put your toes, get your skis in. Can you see your skis? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. You see? Okay. Point them like a slice of pizza. Okay. And then I want you to hold that wedge. Now, this is the problem is, if you know what I'm talking about skiing, that's painful. When you ski in that pizza shape, I'm telling you, your legs will shake for two days because you're holding that position all the way down the mountain with these muscles right here. And I said, you just, we're going to make S's all, we're going to use the whole slope and make S's all the way down to control your speed so you don't get out of control. Now, you're going to have to listen to me, babe. I'm going to tell you when to turn. I'm going to tell you where to go. You have to listen to me. I didn't realize that I had turned on my GoPro. This whole thing's on camera. And if she ever makes me mad, I'm going to show it. I'm, I'm using it as blackmail. <coughs> so we, we take off, and this is how it goes. And it was, a, it was the busiest week of skiing there. It's uh, whatever last week was in the year for skiing in Colorado. It's like a huge week. So there's a lot of people on the slopes. And we're at the top of the mountain. She hadn't skied in over 20 years, 25 years. And so she says, which I don't know how it's possible because she's only 29. And she says, we, we take off. Now, Addie's not so patient because she's a pretty decent skier. And she's taken off. And she, you know, she, she's bored with me now. It's like, Daddy, I'll meet you at the next lift. And it's like, okay. She's like greasing lightning. And I'm taking my time. I'm enjoying I'm older now. I'm there to enjoy the view. I've already proved my. I ain't got to prove anything to anybody. I've done all the stupid stuff. Got the scars to prove it. I'm just enjoying the views now. And so Addie takes off, she goes down there like a penguin, just she's gone. And my wife starts out, and you know, she's wobbly. She hadn't been on skis in forever. And she's going. And, and, and the whole way down that mountain, probably took us 25 minutes to get down that mountain. It's a long run. And I'm going, turn. And you'll see her. She turns and goes. All right, pick up a little speed. She's turn. The whole way down the mountain. Turn. She can't see anything. You're doing good, babe. You got it. Great job. Keep your, that's it. Keep your feet like they are now. Now turn. Whole way down the mountain, which is a good thing because I did forget that one of parts of the mountain was blue. Now green is for beginners. Blue is for intermediates. It means a lot more steep. I forgot about the part about being a blue. My bad. But it's good because she couldn't see it. All she knew is it went from easy going to, and we're down like this. And I'm saying, baby, you got lean into the mountain, lean into the mountain. Use your use your plow. That's it. Turn, turn, and the whole people are skiing by us. Ski school goes by us, and people are yelling to their kids, or they're yelling to their person they're teaching. Turn, wedge. The deal is it's pizza, and then there's french fries. French fries means go fast. Pizza means go slow. And they're yelling, french fries, pizza, burger, shake, you know, everything going down the mountain. 
Turn. You're doing good. Turn. You got it. You got it. You need to slow down. You need to slow down. You're getting close. Okay. Use the whole mountain the whole way. I'm, I'm talking the whole time. You can hear it. It's 26, 27 minutes of me just yelling the whole time. You can do it. You can, you're doing a great job. Turn. That's it, baby. You're doing great. This is wonderful. Keep going. Keep going. Now turn. Turn. Turn now. Turn now. Don't get going too fast. And we go over the blue and it gets steep. And you can see it. And she's wobbling. Lean into the mountain. Come on there. All the way down. What am I trying to say? You can still make it when you can't see your way if you know the voice. And she got down to the bottom. And I mean, I thought she was going to choke me or I didn't know if I was going to get a hug or a kiss or a slap. She got down the mountain. I think her legs were shaking too hard to do anything because it's painful. And she gets down and, and I went, babe. You went down the whole mountain. Wasn't that fun? She went, uh-uh. Like, I couldn't do to her what I do to Addie. All right, get back on there. We're going back up again. I said, like, you want to do it again? No. Click, click. Pick up the ski. It's like, okay. You know. Got good use out of that ski ticket. That's fine. We'll, we'll see you later. I mean, my Lord, last week, Addie and I skied in that. We skied in the blizzard. She was on the side of the mountain crying, Dad, I'm ready to go. The wind's blowing. It's knocking people over. It's blowing so hard. And I'm, Baby, we pay for these tickets. We're going to go up one more time. I did. You ask her. We're going up one more time. Just stay close to it. It's going to make you a better skier to learn how to ski in a whiteout. And we did. We could, I mean, I could only see from me to uh, uh, um, maybe, maybe Brother Jose at the most. It was just blowing in. I'm telling you, just stay right beside me. And she was scared and, and the same thing. She knew my voice. Slow down. I can't see you now. Speed up. If you know his voice, you can get through any storm, any scary sudden drop in your life. If you'll just listen to his voice, everything is going to be okay. Because let me tell you something. He's never going to put you in a position that will kill you. Stand with me tonight. He's never going to put you in a position that will kill you. This is one of the things I've, I've had to tell Addie in, in, in learning to ski. Is I'll say, Addie, do you ever think I would put you somewhere you could get hurt? You think I, no, well then you can do it. I would never put you out there if I thought you were going to get hurt. Just listen. I'm trying to give some of you the same confidence right now. God is not going to put you in a situation. The Bible said he will never put more on us than that which we are able to bear. He is not going to put more on you than you're going to be able to handle. The difference is, will we be able to hear his voice? And will he said, they hear my voice and they follow me. Are you willing to listen? And are you willing to follow? And you can have this confidence that if you can hear the voice of your father, if you can hear the voice of God, you can make it through. There isn't a mountain you can't ski down. There isn't a trial you can't get through. There's not a storm that you can't overcome because the voice of God is real to those who know him. Would you just lift your hands right now and say, oh God, give me the wisdom to be able to discern your voice. Give me the strength, oh God, and the courage to be able to follow that after that voice from which I hear, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I know you may be in a storm. I, I know that mountain is terrifying. But you know the voice of God. You've got to have confidence. You know his voice. 
you know who he is and you're going to follow his voice he's not trying to lead you into disaster he's not trying to lead you into a trial he's not trying to lead you into a crash he's not trying to mess up your life no no all you got to do is hear his voice and follow after him even when you can't see him even when you can't discern where he is you can follow that voice hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Just let him strengthen your spirit right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. His voice is still real. It's word. His word is still right. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, just let him strengthen your spirit right now. Amen. Maybe you're looking over the edge. Maybe you're looking down and saying, I don't know if I can make it, but I'm telling you, you can. Because God says you can. If you'll follow His voice, if you'll just follow His voice, if you'll just obey His command, if you'll just listen to what He's saying, He's going to get you through this. There's no storm you can't go through. There isn't no valley you can't come out of if you'll just follow His voice. He wants you to know His will. He's not trying to hide His will. He's not trying to keep His plan and purpose away from you. No. All you got to do is just keep following that voice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you just reach over and pray with somebody near you right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just begin to pray with them. Let them know, hey, hey, I'm following the voice of God too. You're not alone in this. We're going to follow God's voice together. In Jesus' name, I want to know His will. And to know His will, I need to know His voice. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.